Braves, Bulldogs, Falcons, Yellow Jackets, Hawks, Eagles. From the heart of Georgia, it's the Bill Shank Show. Hour number two of our broadcast. Welcome back. Thank you very much for being with us on this Thursday. It's 4 o'clock. We will throw people under the bus a little bit later on in the show. Dodgers fans, Saints fans, Alabama homers. Fred Beard's our guest today. <laughs> 939thescore.com. Every weekday afternoon from 1 until 3 Eastern time, 12 until 2 Central time, you can listen to Brett Beard on the Boomer Bug Show starring Brett Beard on that there website. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing good. Now, if you remember correctly, two weeks ago, I threw the SEC under the bus because they were giving these 14 schools $51 million, but nary a penny for the sports talk show host to Mm. talk about the SEC around the clock in the afternoons. Uh, And I was going to ask you if you would let me throw the – college football playoff management committee under the bus we haven't got to a 12 team playoff but yet (laughs) we've got to be talking about a 14 team playoff with a now get this a 3-3-2-2-1 format now what in the hell does that mean uh it means the big 10 and the sec would receive three automatic qualifiers in the 14-team field. The ACC and the Big 12 would be getting two, and the group of five would get, you know, something along of basically crumbs. The model would feature three at-large spots, the highest-ranked teams outside of the automatic qualifiers. So uh, would that be appropriate for me to throw the college football playoff management committee under the well, I, I I don't understand the urgency. I don't understand. Agree. Uh, there, there's a lot to figure out here first before, before I think we can get to that point. I'm I'm really surprised the level of of the discussion being this loud. Um, I don't think we can do anything until we know the FSU ACC situation, can we? Isn't that the first part of this? Uh, I think that's one of the big dominoes, and from what we're hearing, it's going to be up to. Florida State and the ACC to decide what is going to be the exit fee, and yet I've been I've been hearing uh, five hundred and fifty million, which for any school uh, is not going to be easy to do. But I, I think one of the reasons for this rush job on the fourteen team playoff in Indianapolis this week is. ESPN is putting, and some of the TV networks are putting the squeeze a little bit on these guys to more or less tell them what are their plans moving forward. And, you know, there's no question they could discuss this, but I'm like, you aren't we in in too big of a hurry to do this? Yeah, I I just don't get it. I'm going to ask you this. Not what you think they are going to do will do, want to do, if you were in charge of the SEC, we got 16 teams now, who else would you want to join and how many would be your limit? 
Well, I think we're getting close to that, but I think what the limit would be eventually is is going to be twenty. Listen, I've heard as high as twenty four. Yeah. Now, now I keep hearing. I think we discussed this two weeks ago. The Big Ten has made overtures to Florida State, uh, or Florida State seems to be more interested in them than than the SEC. Why? Why do you think that is, Brett? Well, for well, for one thing, Florida doesn't want F, FSU in the SEC. Right. That they they have made no bones about that for years. And when you look at it, look at it, and it's the point you brought up two or three weeks ago. There's no question the brand for FSU is good. Going back to Bobby Bowden, mm-hmm. who basically put them on the map. But as far as the footprint. In the SEC, there's already a presence, of course, with Florida that looms uh, that that looms over the state. But I think that's uh, if it, but Florida, and I've heard some other schools in the SEC, and I'm not quite sure who they are. Uh, do really, quite frankly, don't want want Florida State. Now, to answer your question, uh, would it be? Uh, you know, I've heard North Carolina. For several reasons, uh, brand of course. Uh, I've heard Clemson. Um, it's sixteen now. I've heard that they will eventually go to twenty. I don't think Sankey will go nuts like bringing in Kale or Stanford to the ACC. Some some crap like that. Yeah, to where you're literally going coast to coast because, in all fairness. Sankey, and you and I have had issues with him from time to time, but he still wants to keep the SEC about as geographic as you can. Now, watch them turn around in two years and have SEC media days in Las Vegas. <laughs> somebody, no. somebody asked me about that today. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be moving, moving west, but in all fairness to Sankey, he wants to keep the SEC regional or more regional than certainly what the Big Ten is. Uh, I've heard Clemson, North Carolina, uh, Virginia. All right, so who uh, would you want, though? Who would be the ones you would feel like would be the best for the SEC? Um, probably, uh, you know, they're, the, Clemson's got the football brand. Their, their basketball program is better than you think it is. North Carolina, for obvious reasons, with – uh, but with basketball, they've got a very respectable football program. You know, we've got a lot of Virginia Tech fans here being engineers in Huntsville, and particularly in North Alabama. They mentioned this at some point, that if this thing just, just goes nuts one day, and I'm beginning to wonder if we're bordering on that in the next 12 to 18 months, that they would like to see Virginia Tech. I don't know how much of appeal that would be. But uh, answer your question. Probably, Cle- you know, Clemson would be Clemson would be nice. Uh, North Carolina. Uh, I'd have to think about Virginia Tech a little bit more. Well, and and here's what's interesting to me. I I was actually talking to a Georgia Tech a Georgia Tech nut this this morning about this. He is worried Georgia Tech is going to be left out. He said that it was his belief that. Like you said, Florida doesn't want Florida State. Yep. South Carolina doesn't want Clemson. And that Georgia doesn't want Georgia Tech in the SEC. Correct. And, you know, of course, my comeback to that is, 
All right. I don't know why Georgia would be afraid of Georgia Tech and the SEC. Uh, I mean, they may already make a hell of a lot of money, and I think the the prospect of that game in November being more relevant because the conference implications, just like it is with Auburn and Alabama, mm-hmm. is is unbelievable. And I've I've said many times I, I envy that dynamic because Florida, Florida State, Clemson, and South Carolina. Georgia, Georgia Tech, and of course also Louisville and Kentucky do not have that same thing like Ole Miss and Mississippi State, like Texas and Texas A&M will have. It's just not the yeah. same with them being in a different conference. Agreed. And so, you know, he is a Georgia Tech fan who's obviously wondering about where Tech will land. And, you know, to me, Brett, North Carolina and North Carolina State may be a package deal. Then you have Virginia and Virginia Tech that may be a package deal. Yeah. Now, yeah. what what's the what's the better combo? Um, I I think you have to want Clemson. I think it would be stupid for Clemson to not be in the SEC. Yeah. And and I think it would be stupid for Florida State to not be in the SEC too because of the unbelievable matchups with. Georgia and Florida and Auburn and Alabama in particular that would be really fun and, and heck even LSU and Ole Miss Mississippi State because the proximity to to, to yeah. Tallahassee. Yeah. So you know I, I'm I'm just real intrigued by this because um, the ACC is is going to be left out I think and so you know does the SEC and the the Big Ten get together and say okay. If the ACC falls apart, what do you want? I mean, does Greg Sankey ask the Big Ten commissioner that question? If the ACC falls apart, who do you want? Well, you would think logically that would be the discussion that they would have because, uh, listen, I've talked to Andrea Edelson about this for years. She is, of course, with ESPN, but she has covered the ACC and, the, and the, this is really the origination of the of the Florida State squabble to begin with, is they have seen the SEC and the Big Ten continue to move forward with a lot more revenue for their individual programs than the ACC. And again, without being redundant, we've talked about this 50 times in the last three years, is this 2036 grant of rights which at the time when they put this together was to keep other conferences from coming in and poaching their members. Right. But what, what it's done is it's hamstrung their current members from making anywhere near the amount of money that the right. Big Ten and the SEC is going to be making. But I, I agree with you. It's just a matter now. It's not going to happen overnight, but if Florida State uh, is able to adjudicate their, their, themselves out of this, and I would be surprised if they pay five hundred, you know, five hundred fifty million exit fee. They'll negotiate that with the attorneys, but that's going to be the dam. That's going to be the leak in the dam, and then from there, the ACC is going to fall apart. Well, but that's my question. Let's say, for the heck of it, now I'm just throwing out a whole lot of money at a much lower rate than what you just mentioned there with five hundred, five hundred fifty million dollars. Let's just say. Florida State, and then Clemson, and then Miami, and then either the two North Carolina schools or the two Virginia schools are gone. And let's just say for the heck of it, that's $500 million that goes to the ACC. Probably a low number, 
let's just say for the for the fun of it, if there are only eight schools left, are those eight schools left going to say, well, the heck with the conference falling apart, we're going to take that money? Well, I are they going to do that? I think initially that the 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 eight remaining or the or the eight left standing would, but my initial you know the the environment we're in now is that eight would say well let's let's form a pack and let's join with the American Athletic Conference or or someone else uh, that would initially you would think logically that would happen. But the way we're going right now is is these partnerships, and but it would it would be dynamic. Uh, I mean, again, if the ACC breaks up, and I think it eventually will, um, it's going to be huge. And, and you're right. Is will this then become a battle between the Big Ten and the SEC? And Sankey and Panetti sit down and say, "Look, this is who we really, really, really want." Now, you give me your top four and my top four, and we'll see what, we'll see what we can work out here. I, I just don't know why a team would want to continue to be in the ACC, and yet where's that money going to go? Well, that's it. Yeah, I know? mean, they, they, they're complaining about the lack of revenue now. If you lose the top teams in the league, what's going to be left? You know, you're going to hit sure. the last then. But, but do they take the money and then disband the conference after that? Uh, I, I just don't know. You know, I, I mean, think, it, I, I, yeah, I would think the remaining teams would want to join another conference. No question, but who gets all that money that they'll get from the teams that originally left the ACC to begin with, right? Uh, in other words, who would get the exit fee money? Yeah, who would get? Yeah, it? where I, would it go? I, 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 that's a good question. That's, that's a good question. I don't know. It's just it's um, it's it's really interesting because I think. With the SEC and the Big Ten doing what they've done, they're in position to to try to pick and choose here a little bit. They mm-hmm. know that there are teams in the ACC that want out and that the ACC is really on thin ice right now. And the Big I 12, agree. again, yep. I've kind of said the Big 12 is kind of at the, at the fork in the road here. Which direction do they go? Mm-hmm. Why in the world would the Big 12 commissioner not be breaking down the doors of the Big Ten and the SEC commissioners to try to make sure that they're not left out in the cold because, look, if, if, if these two conferences, the Big Ten and the, and the SEC, were to add four to six more teams, that's, that's Division One football right there. Well, Don't you 40, think? Well, no, I agree with you exactly. You've got 16 in the SEC and 18 in the, in the Big Ten, and they would say, look, let's get – Let's go get six more to make forty, yeah. and we're and we're just going to completely pull away from the NCAA and start our own league and make our own rules. Now, I, I do think that another thing that should be discussed with these people, and I really would love to know how much Sankey and the Big Ten commissioner uh, Panini, how how do you pronounce his name again, Brent? Yeah, yeah Patetti. Patetti. Yeah. Um, how much they've talked about only for football. You know, I'd love, I'd love to know whether we're talking about all inclusive, all sports, or only for football. Because I think, and of course, Chip Kelly brought this up when he had his little rant a couple of months ago. But I think it is relevant to discuss that. Or do you think there's just no way to separate it? 
Well, the NCAA would get rid of football tomorrow. Uh, football has always been an albatross around their neck. Now, they're never going to give up college basketball because they make billions off of the NCAA tournament. Um, again, that's um, – it, it, it could – uh, you know, it could be separated, but if I just think there's too much as as, as much as the as SEC basketball has improved in the last five to seven years, I can't see Sankey saying, "Well, we're just going to let SEC basketball and the other Olympic sports go." Yeah, I don't. I don't either. I don't either. It's it's. Um, I don't know. You just think there's going to be some kind of separation there to to keep maybe maybe the SEC is one way for all the other sports and one way for the for the college football and and that's what's going to drive the revenue. I don't know. It's just there's a lot of things that you'd love to be a fly on the wall to hear what uh, kind of well, ideas in are being floated in, in, Yeah, in particularly in Indianapolis and something else we 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 didn't even touched on is the is the the three recruiting dates being thrown out and you and I've talked about this for a long time the yeah tell everybody one, the latest on what they're talking about now because it is yeah but, interesting. But what they have what they've come out with basically this week and you and I've discussed all of the issues that are with the month of December and what is on the desk as far as a proposal Pete Thamel and a couple of the other national journalists have come up with this, and also Ross Dillinger. There are three proposed signing dates now, and you and I talked about it, in our, in, along with Brother Brent, uh, having a summer early signing date. I mean, having a true early signing date. Uh, what they're proposing right now are three. The last Wednesday in June, and this would be for, I've, I, I was told, three to seven days. You know, we'll see, but the crux of it is would be the last Wednesday in June. Uh, the second one would be, and again, the the bit, but where this is originated from is all the issues with the clutter of December, and what they are looking at is moving, but moving that basically back two weeks to the first Wednesday in December. Now, I don't quite know again what. I understand they're getting it's it's a little better, but it's still to me not solving the problem. And the third date would be the what, what's been what, what we we're used to uh, would be the first Wednesday in February as far as National Signing Day. Now again, there are there are arguments pro and con. We we've discussed these. Uh, the the pro for the June would be. Well, you've got seven or ten kids who know where they're going. Go ahead and sign. Go, go ahead and get them signed, uh, and you don't have to recruit a third of your class or you know a fourth of your class. Get that over with. Now that the con of that. Well, now what's going to happen if the coach gets fired? Well, they have the waiver in their letter of intent that says if the coach gets fired, then I can move somewhere else. That might be the contingency there. The December uh, pro, they're moving it a little bit uh, closer to November, but it's still a jam-packed month. Um, uh, but it does get it out of mid-December when so many things are going on. And then 
again, the, the first Wednesday in February would be the same way that it's been forever. But if, if they do it the first week of December, what about these teams that are in the tournament? Well, that's it. To me, it's still going to be a mess, subbed, isn't it? it? To me, you haven't solved anything. No. Uh, you, you know, all you're doing is, you know, the old rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic before the iceberg hits uh, is, I, I don't think you've solved anything. Uh, to, you know, and but several of our guests this week have mentioned, well, if you're going to go that route, why don't you do the last Wednesday in June and uh, skip December and make that a dead month and go back to the original first Wednesday in February? Well, they'll try to figure it out, I hope, and hopefully I the coaches are getting uh, somewhat of a – I mean, I hope I hope they're getting somewhat of a reprieve to calm their schedule down because these people are going to be burning out and dropping over like flies or heart attacks. Yeah, so they it's don't just going to continue, you know. And again, that's what, another one that came up this week. In uh, uh, Coach Cumbie at Louisiana Tech mentioned, well, what happens if they find a way to get around this transfer rule to where you can't transfer to another program during the semester? Well, this is going to get to a point of absurdity. If they if they are able to figure out a way to work around that, you're going to be having players play three games, and then they say, "Well, you know, I'm I'm playing for uh, LSU, uh, but I'm I'm mad at the coach, so I'm going to go play for Florida for the rest of the semester, uh, for the rest of the season." And uh, they they've got to do something to hit that off. Crazy, crazy. By the way, Brent, did you hear that Nick Saban retired a couple of months ago? Bill, I did hear that, but I appreciate you reminding me of it again. Okay. I have people all the time ask me, is Brett okay? He's still making it, but yes. But, I mean, I, I, you know, I said, well, he's putting on a brave face. I think he's still fetal possession crying <laughs> sessions in his closet when he – can. Uh, you know, I pump myself up for these Thursday interviews, but after after it's <laughs> over with, I just resume the fetal position. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you, sir. It's an interesting All time right, in college football. It's always fun to talk oh, about it with you. All right, buddy. Have a great week. All right. Brett Beard, at Brett Beard on Twitter. The Boomba Bug Show starring Brett Beard every weekday afternoon on 939thescore.com. 1 to 3 Eastern, 12 to 2 Central Time. So we hope you'll check that out. Time to open up our phone lines now. Area code 478 646 ESPN. 646 3776 is our number. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, you can throw someone under the bus like Shohei Otani. Just for the heck of it. Maybe he'll be out for a week or two. Uh, kidding. I don't want anybody to get hurt. Um, I like I actually like Shohei Otani. I think he's got poor judgment in teams, but I like him. I mean, how could you not like the guy? He's unbelievable. I just hope he starts to really do poorly in his career playing for the Dodgers. You can throw um, anyone in your sports mindset under the bus here on this Thursday. I had someone tell me today, you got to throw Mike White under the bus. The Bulldogs suck. I know, but I'm trying to give him a little bit of a reprieve because of what was going on two years ago when Tom Crane was the coach. But it's not good right now. I can promise you that. It's it's pretty bad. 
And it's a shame because they started off, what, 14-5, and five, I believe, was the record they had at one point. Now it's not 14-5, and five, that's for sure. So we got plenty to talk about. Uh, you can talk Braves. What are your thoughts on Spencer Strider doing well so far? The pitching staff looking pretty good. We've got um, Hawks. You can talk about Trey Young. Should they trade him or not? All kind of stuff going on. 478-646-ESPN. We'd love to hear from you. Let's talk sports. And we'll do it right after this. All right, back on the show. Thank you very much for joining us here. 428 on this Thursday afternoon. 478-646-ESPN. The gentleman who all has the podcast reg talk who doesn't want to give his name is from smyrna is on line one hello sir hey bill uh how are you sir i'm good yeah well i appreciate you having me on and uh first of all i wanted to apologize i don't think i mentioned the name of your radio show uh, but i did link it in the description of the video and i want to say you must have known you had something once you talked about jeff i know you said you didn't think it would blow up to that point I imagine after you probably did. Well, I, I, you know, I, I was more concentrating on the fact that we were honoring him for the Hall of Fame. I mean, <clears throat> I was emceeing the, or I did emcee the ceremony Friday night right after that interview, and the jacket ceremony. So that was the priority. So it wasn't until after the event that Friday night that people started telling me that it was on some Georgia Tech message boards and that someone during the interview during the four o'clock hour had gone on one of the Georgia Tech message boards and had started talking about it and said that I mean I I, I again I was just kind of busy with the responsibilities I had I, I didn't think about it too much I wasn't trying to to get him to say that but I have since heard from others that this is an interview that obviously has not been done with Paul Johnson, and that um, maybe secretly he was wanting to have it so he could say what he said. So if, if that's the case, I'm glad he said it with me, and he's always been real respectful of me, and, and uh, and you know, it was definitely interesting and eye-opening for sure. But I, I didn't go into it thinking, oh, we're going to make headlines and have you do a podcast on it and dissect the interview, and it was going to be all over the Atlanta radio i i just uh, wanted to honor him for his career and you know at the same time if he was going to say something about the schmuck who replaced him so be it (laughs) well yeah and i think as you said we all knew uh he didn't have a favorable opinion of paul but i do want to say thank you like we were all kind of waiting for that for that interview because as Mm -hmm. you mentioned they were diametrically opposed no matter what you think about the two guys you know Jeff, it was kind of like parlor tricks that never really worked out. And it was just nice to hear Paul, what, what Paul had to say about it. And I think it brings up a greater issue of like something that I've been talking about on my show is what really is the realistic expectation at Tech? And there's a lot of dissent in the community about that. Why? Why do you think that is? <clears throat> well, I think you have people in two kind of categories you you have people that think well because of 1990 and calvin johnson and bobby dodd and pepper rogers Mm. that means something to players now and we should be able 
kind of based on this way yesteryear stuff that we should just be able to make it work now. Mm-hmm. And then you have people probably more like me that think, well, what Paul brought it up, that we probably need a change at an administrative level to, to shape Georgia Tech to fit in today's college football. Well, I, I said even before, it was kind of ironic because I said this sometime last week when we were talking about the changes in college football. I, I, I used the phrase that schools all across this country are going to have to decide if they're going to be in the football business or not. And that means that whether it's Georgia Tech or others that are not at the high level or the top level of the sport or of their own conference, they've got to decide if they're going to invest the money to make sure that they are in this game. And a lot aren't going to be able to do that. They're just not going to be able to keep up. Um, I think a lot are and can, but they've got to decide they want to do it. And right now you have to not only have, you have to have money for shiny floors and obviously tech's doing that right now, but you also have to have money for NIL. And so teams and programs and fan bases and, and educators and uh, college presidents are going to have to decide if they want to be in the football business or not. There's a hell of a lot of money at Georgia Tech. And there are, are plenty of people who want there to be, in my opinion, a, 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 an emphasis on the athletic department and on the football program. And it's not 1990. Bobby Ross ain't walking through that damn door. Neither is George O'Leary or Pepper or Bobby Dodd or anybody else. Those days are over with. And while, you know, I, I always was of the opinion, uh, even being a UGA a guy, that there's no excuse for Georgia Tech to be bad and they should be competitive no matter what kind of offense they're running because of the state they're in. But if you don't have a commitment on the side of the administration, you're just going up against a brick wall no matter what. So like I said, even before all this happened with Paul's interview, Georgia Tech has got to decide whether or not I want someone to be in the football business or not. Can you have high academic standards and not sell your soul to the devil and still have that? I think so. It doesn't mean – I mean, when, but when you hear stuff like what Paul said about the transfer stuff, and, of course, we're in a different environment now, of course, but, he, I mean, that was ridiculous. For him not to be allowed to have more than one transfer in 11 years, ridiculous. And you know what? If I had been – a Georgia Tech fan and wanted a better football program, I would have raised hell to the president of the university and, and or the and they they may have said, well, we don't care, we're we're in the education business. Well, like I said, you're going to have to decide if you want to be in the football business or not. Yeah, I, I thought about that. I, I do know he definitely had more than one, but the, the point still remains. And I think there's some misunderstanding on people that are outside of the tech circle and inside. So. Um, yes, you do have to decide whether you want to be serious about football. Yes, there is a ton of money that flows through Georgia Tech, but it doesn't flow through their athletic program. Right. It, throws, it flows through their academics. Thankfully, I think we have a guy in Jay Bat who came from Alabama that's seen the heights of the college football world there that I think can start turning that in the right direction. Why can't you get some of these tech barons that have definitely gone through Georgia Tech to start cutting checks to football. If that happened, I think things would really change because if Alabama's NIL program is a Mercedes-Benz or a Bentley, and this is not an exaggeration, Texas is more like a pair of roller skates right now. And you're just not – that's got to change. 
Yeah, it ain't gonna work. I mean, you're gonna be in a you're gonna be a bad team in a bad conference, and and that's what's interesting is that Tech is at a very bad time to be to be bad. You know, you 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 want to be attractive because if not, you're gonna be stuck in a conference that is irrelevant, and that's a shame. That really is. Hey, thank you for calling. We appreciate it very much. Thank you. All right, four seven eight six four six ESPN. Jeff is in gray. Hello, Jeff. Going on, Bill. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Hey, look, uh, two things I was going to tell you. Uh, for some reason, I turned over and watched the end of the Georgia game the other night. Mm, mm, <laughs> we, mm, we've mm. got to get a point guard. That Hill kid is, uh, I know he's doing his best, but oh, 15 9 left on the clock. And I'm saying, don't give it to him. If you give it to him, he's going to run down there, throw mm. up a crummy shot, we're going to lose the game. He threw to him. He run down there, threw a shot, and we lost. Yeah, why? Why can't we have better basketball in this state? My God, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? It's crazy. I think we look. I think the kid. We got a true freshman. That Denver kid is going to be good. He needs to let yeah. him just bite the bullet. Let him. Uh, let him run the point, and it is what it is. Because I think Hill's your point guard. He had eleven points. I don't know what his shooting was, and no assist. I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, not good. Yeah, so we'll throw that kid under the bus, and then we throw <laughs> Ken from coming under the bus. Uh, <laughs> I see how excited you are about it. Man, is it possible the Braves could be better? This could even be the best version of the Braves ever? Well, I mean, calm me down. Why am I wrong? You're not. Uh, man, uh, and you... I don't know here if you're talking about the wall kid all of a sudden starting to show up. I know. You know, oh, Forrest Wall, he hit, I think he hit two. Did he hit two today? Yeah, he sure did, yeah. So, uh, no, you, you got all the reason. If, if sales, you like you said, if he's 80% of what he was, huh. Lord. oh, my Lord. I mean, I know. and I'm still ex- I want to see what I, I know has got, you know. If that moron hadn't broke his hand, yeah, he, he might have changed weight. Well, he did change the future of his career, but you know he was a stud till he got hurt. Yeah, we I, and we haven't seen him yet. And again, uh, we don't need to panic, even though we're starting to see some pitchers like Strider and Mentor have uh, their second appearances because everybody's kind of at a different time frame, and some people may be a little bit behind uh, the eight ball uh, and just just slow to go. I don't know about Charlie. Don't know about Enoa. Uh, I haven't seen Waldrop yet, but it you know it doesn't mean necessarily they're in trouble or something's going on wrong. It just means we haven't seen them yet. So if if it's this time next week and we haven't seen them, then the red flag's going to go up. But I want to see Noah. I mean, he, the the word was he was throwing the ball very well in camp, and and that's great because you're right. I mean, before he got hurt and did that little dumb thing, did dumb trick in Milwaukee to the try to assault the dugout, it was. Um, he was pretty impressive. He was going to the All-Star game probably the way he was going. So, yeah, I'm I'm anxious to see him, and and uh, I just love the pieces of the puzzle. You know, that, that's the thing for me. I just love the different options there. And Triple is going to be a really good pitching staff, I believe. I, I, I see that now. And even with guys like A.J. Smith-Shauver and maybe Waldrop to have to continue to develop if they're needed. It's not like they're going to be a, a bad situation. So um, there's just a lot of positive going on right now. I mean, I, I, February 29th, I keep on saying it's a broken record. I'm 
I'm plumb doing a meltillus, Jeff, and stuttering when I keep on repeating the date because I know there's four weeks until opening day. But, man, right now, so far, holy cow, it's just it's a lot of fun to see what the Braves are, are looking like. Yeah, it's, it's been beautiful to watch. And, look, the only, I'm going to leave you with one last thing. Uh, you made me – I almost crashed my car the other day riding down the road. If you say with the number eight pick we're going to take a wide receiver – I'm going to drive up to Atlanta and strangle somebody in management. I know. I just couldn't take that either. Uh, I just would have a hard time dealing with that. I mean, I know they need another receiver. And if they were to even add – I was thinking about this too. You know, if they were to even add Kyle Pitts in a trade for Justin Fields or something else, I mean, they would have to have another target. I mean, Jonu Smith is gone. So, um, I just think they need a veteran receiver to complement – Drake London. You know, Drake's still young. It's not like he's a, a older player. So I, I think a, a veteran guy would be really good to bring in. But don't get another skilled player. I mean, look, they, they either need to get a quarterback at number eight. They need to fall in love with one of those pass rushers, whether it's Verse or, or Dallas Turner, or to get somebody on that damn line of scrimmage. And But I, I'm with you. I just I couldn't take another wide receiver. It would be, like, too much for me. And I like the Rome kid's good. I can't pronounce his last name i mean i like the neighbor's kid from lsu better but i i just and of course the nightmare jeff would be is if they traded pits and then all of a sudden they they come there at eight and brock's on the board at, at eight i mean if, if they traded pits i would pray to god that brock bowers would be taken before number eight so i wouldn't be disappointed yeah and i think they got him going like 11 they got him ranked uh top six or seven but they got him going to like indianapolis <laughs> I, you know, again, I I just can't imagine – I'll be shocked if Jim Harbaugh doesn't fall in love with Brock Bowers and say, oh, yeah, I want to put him with, with Justin Herbert. To me, that's a perfect situation. I mean, you got – I mean, I, I just think that's perfect. Put put him with Herbert, a young quarterback who's getting better by the day, and you know he, Harbaugh's going to develop him. I, I just think Brock's perfect for that spot. But, you know, that means it'll never happen probably. Yeah, well, you know, we could always take McConkey with our second second round pick that we got this year. Yeah, I'm I'd like Cedric Van Pran even more, but uh, but they say Drew Dalman's graded too high that they're probably not going to get rid of him. So um, we'll see. But yeah, McConkey McConkey's going to be fun to watch. He he might he might slip into that late first round now. You never know about that. You know he 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 because thing about McConkey kind of like Bowers, somebody's going to fall in love with him, especially if he has a good a good combine here. Somebody's going to really fall in love with that kid. Yeah, he's he's going to be a good one. Yep. You have you have a good one, Bill. All right, Jeff. Thank you. Always great to hear from you. Four seven eight six four six ESPN. That's our number. It's a throw under the bus Thursday. Your chance to throw a New Orleans Saint right under the damn bus and a Met too. Back right after this. Four forty seven. If you ever see that episode of Miami Vice, I love Miami Vice. I'm sorry. I'm a child of the 80s, even though I was born in the 70s, barely in the 70s. When Glenn Fry was on Miami Vice, oh, what a great episode. Awesome episode. So that's why their Smuggler's Blues comes from. Uh, J-Rad sent me a, a tweet here. He sent me a couple. He said, uh, no time to call. Got to throw, though, however, Chris... Chris Rogers under the bus for all that Eagles music yesterday. He's an awful human being, and so is Kevin from Dublin. Hey, just take it easy, For J-Rad. a reason we can't re- repeat. Yeah, you missed that, J-Rad. Sorry, Slick. 
Also, um, J-Rad sent me a picture of a tweet from Atlanta Bird Gang, which is a Falcons blog. They had a tweet this afternoon that said, Plot twist. Zach Klein from WSB Atlanta went on Dukes and Bell today on 92.9 The Game and revealed there's a lot of buzz at the NFL Combine about Atlanta Falcons signing veteran quarterback Kirk Cousins. Zach Klein said to Dukes and Bell, the guys around the league are telling me the staff feels they have a great opportunity to be successful with the veteran quarterback, and the veteran quarterback on the market is Kirk Cousins. Now, I'm not throwing J-Rad under the bus for sending this to me. This is not news, okay? And I'm sorry to be skeptical of what this guy from Atlanta, WSB, is, is, is reporting, quote-unquote, or saying on the Dukes and Bell show. But it's, that's nothing new. If he's been told something by people, fine. I don't know if I buy that he's been told this because Kirk Cousins has been talked about with the Falcons for three months. So believe me, this is not a plot twist or anything like this. The Falcons have options when it comes to their quarterback. Do they trade for Justin Fields? Do they sign a veteran quarterback like a Kirk Cousins or a Baker Mayfield? Do they wait for the draft and see if one is available at number eight, or do they trade up in the draft and try to get one of the top three picks to ensure that they get one of those top three quarterbacks? Kirk Cousins is an option. There's no question about that. And again, I I, I love Jay Red. I'm not throwing him under the bus at all. I'm just saying... For that guy to go on that show in Atlanta and say that, come on, give me a break. Uh, Okay, guys around the league are telling me the staff feels they have a great opportunity to be successful with a veteran quarterback. Well, we knew that. I I don't think there's any question about that. The, the, The possibility of the Falcons believing that they could have a veteran quarterback come in and make that big of a difference immediately is there. How many times have we used the example and the comparison to when Dan Rees brought in Chris Chandler. Now, Chris Chandler was a a journeyman quarterback who I think had played for six teams by the time he got traded to the Falcons. But Dan Rees believed that when he came in, it was a legitimate chance for that team that he inherited to be better immediately. But he needed a veteran quarterback, and, and he chose Chris Chandler. And believe me, when when Chris Chandler was traded for, I believe he was traded for, most Falcons fans, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, I know this Falcon fan said, what the hell? Chris Chandler? That's what you're going to do to us, Dan Reeves? Well, he helped get him to a Super Bowl. And the the the... The purpose of Chris Chandler to make that team immediately stronger was fulfilled. He did. I mean, he, he just did. He, he, he made the Falcons immediately better. And so um, we've been having that comparison with Kirk Cousins forever. So I'm sorry. I don't follow Zach Klein on Twitter. I don't put a whole lot of stock into what he says. 
Zach Klein likes to pretend. I mean, he likes to say that he's breaking a lot of news and break stories. And uh, most things I see are things that have been talked about that he just says, "Oh, somebody's told me this." So I, I have. I, I'm sorry to have a lot of skepticism about that, but I I do. I, I just kind of do. Um, you know. And look, we're told all kind of things all the time. I'm told stuff. I was told yesterday on the show after you know when Rick Flatford was telling me about the. Rumors about Justin Fields. I had someone else tell me, yeah, this this is kind of getting hot here, like real loud hot. And so I repeated it to you, but it hadn't happened yet. Doesn't mean it won't. But as we know with trades, but I don't just sit around and make stuff up. Some people do. I'm not going to mention any names. But anyway, some people do. Some, some people just kind of – and I'm telling you, if you don't think that there are people – John Heyman, who sit and actually see someone tweet something and then immediately tweet it like they also know from a, their own immediate source or direct source. It happens. I can tell. Mel Kuyper's mock draft number two. We're going to look at this a little bit um, closer. He now has Jaden Daniels going number two to Washington. And, again, he's got Dallas Turner going to Atlanta at number eight. So, um, and I, I, I miss um, Todd McShay. I guess Todd McShay's doing a mock draft for someone, but I liked it when they had the Mel Kuyper and the Todd McShay two mock drafts. Uh, I, I really did like that, but they let McShay go, which was stupid. Um, Daniel's getting a lot of love. And, and Daniels could get more love after Team Seam. And you know what? We've had, what, three people call. And I'm not throwing you guys under the bus, but you've been wrong. Three people have called in the last month and said, you know, I just don't think Jaden Daniels is big enough. He's 6'4". He's 6'4", 210. He, he's basically the same size Matt Ryan was coming out of Boston College. Yet, for some reason, people have this impression and and have drank this Kool-Aid that Jaden Daniels is not big enough. He's six foot four. He's pretty damn big. He's bigger than Michael Vick. Bigger than Justin Fields. He's he's big. He's a big kid. He's not fat, but he's a big kid. So I, I'm not going to be surprised if more and more people believe that uh, Jaden Daniels may be better than Drake May. And Drake May, there seems to be a lot of debate about Drake May. You either love him or you hate him, so that's going to continue to be interesting too. Phone lines are open, 478-646-ESPN, 646-3776. Your chance to throw someone in the sports world under the bus, like a Met or the very sensitive Ken from Cumming, who is not liking all these claims that he's going to the bus because he's a Dodger fan, but we're going to continue to say it just to piss him off. <laughs> Back with more here on the Bill Shanks Show. Bill Shanks Show.